their flight continues. They float, the three of them, like zephyrs borne on soft breezes, cushioned by gentle clouds, high above the burning villages and the dark columns of soldiers tramping the country they had once called their own. Mother Russia has cast them out. They are orphaned refugees, rootless and rejected, but they are winging their way to a safe haven. They do not speak because language is lost to them. The quiet settles over them in a soothing coverlet, embroidered with hope and promise, wordless, soundless. Still half asleep, safe in her bed, she stretched languidly and opened her eyes to the golden light of early morning streaming through the wide window of her bedroom. A bird sang with plaintive sweetness, and she hurried to the window. The solitary warbler teetered on a fragile branch of the lemon tree and then soared off into the cloudless summer sky. Au revoir, she called softly, and looked down at the garden where her parents sat opposite each other in their wicker chairs, talking softly as they sipped their morning coffee. Their voices drifted through the open window as their spoons clinked musically against their china cups. She watched them for a moment, and then turned, stripped off her white nightgown, and stood naked before her full-length mirror. She studied the curves of her body, the fine-boned contour of her face. She lifted her mass of bright hair and allowed it to fall again to her shoulders. Her reflection reassured her. She passed her hands across the tender fullness of her breasts, and felt the power of her nascent womanhood. She was no longer the frightened small girl of her nightmare. The dream was banished. The painful past was behind her. She had no need of a celestial haven. She willed herself to triumph over the sadness that too often lingered in the aftermath of her haunted sleep. She turned her head, glanced at herself in profile, practiced a smile, practiced a frown. Am I pretty, she wondered. Am I beautiful? Will Michelle find me much changed? There was an impatient knock at her bedroom door. Her name was called once and then again. Mademoiselle Ida! Mademoiselle Ida! The harsh voice of Katya, the Polish maid, irritable and accusatory, pierced her reverie. It is very late. Your parents are waiting for you. Tell them I'll be down in just a few minutes. A grunt and then heavy footfalls retreated in reproach. Ida shrugged. She knew that Katya did not like her, did not like being a maid in a Jewish home. But that was of no importance. Katya, as her mother frequently pointed out, was lucky to be working for the Shagals. They were kind employers. Katya's wages were paid on time. She ate the same food as the family, and transport to church on Sundays and festivals was provided. She dismissed Katya from her thoughts, splashed her face with cold water, and dressed quickly, choosing a pale blue pearl-buttoned dress of a gossamer fabric that slipped off easily and would let her swiftly disrobe. Her father had told her that he wanted her to pose for him, before she left for the alpine encampment 
so that he might complete the series of nude studies he had begun months earlier, alternating at whim between watercolor and gouache, charcoal and oil. Her father had used his brush over the years to create a visual journal of her life, chronicling the days of her playful childhood, her moody adolescence, and now her emergent young womanhood. The title of each effort was scrawled in his looping script across the back of the work, a claim of ownership and provenance. There was Ida on the Swing, a portrait in motion, painted swiftly as she thrust herself skyward, her chubby legs vigorously pumping, the wind burnishing her cheeks. He had taken more time in painting Ida at the Window, capturing her as she stared dreamily through the shimmering glass while the sun sank over their Mont Chauvet home, setting the water.